All right, welcome everybody uh, to our most recent episode with my good friend, Sean McConnell, formerly of MBA and now uh, president of Decision HR. You can't hold a job. I mean, what's the problem? It's like one job. I know, I, she's Pat, I, you know how it is. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Uh, so thanks so much for joining us today, pal. I really do appreciate it. And, um, you know, we, we always uh, do these, we talk about the person and then the industry. So we'll get a little background on Sean McConnell and then we'll talk about, you know, getting into this industry and, you know, the, uh, uh, the broken road that you took to get where you are today. <laughs> um, uh -huh. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, born where? I don't know. I was born in, uh, I'm, and I'm going to disappoint you here, Pat. I am one of the few that have no New Jersey connections. So I'm sorry Jersey? about that. Really? Uh, the non, non, you're actually my strongest New Jersey connection, I think. That's um, so sad. I, how at could least that be? I, I don't know, but at least I have you. Yeah. Um, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I was born uh, in North Olmsted, Ohio, uh, which is a suburb outside of Cleveland. So I, uh, I grew up being a Cleveland Brown fan. Sadly, because wow. I can't get rid because I can't get rid of it. I'm still not, a fan. Not uh, many of those around. <laughs> no, no. And the Cleveland Cavaliers, at least we had LeBron. Yeah. And then it what was the Indians and now the uh, Cleveland Guardians. Oh, Although right. I will say I've become more of a Tampa Bay Ray fan now yeah. because uh I think my, my strongest connection was football. And so the Browns I can't get rid of. Yeah, yeah, that is so sad. Well, how'd you get to uh Tampa? Did you move there as a kid or late? So my uh, my grandfather and grandmother uh, moved from North Homestead uh, back in 1983, and my dad was in the same business as my grandfather, which was hanging wallpaper, painting. My whole family, uh, pretty much very blue collar, a lot of laborers, um, and uh, my grandfather decided he wanted to take his shot and went moved to Boca Raton, and... Uh, and he did incredibly well, which I wasn't surprised. My grandfather was an unbelievable leader. He was a World War II vet. Um, mm. You know, just somebody who I Honestly, like he, he really, he had a sixth grade education because he had to stop going to school to help on the farm that he grew up on. Um, but he's a guy who read books. He was constantly reading. He could talk to him about anything. And he was a great leader. So he moved down to Boca. Um, and my parents saw, and they were like, hey. It's kind of nice down there and you don't have to shovel snow. And, uh, and he told my father, he goes, I got so much work down here for you. He goes like literally the streets are paved with gold. You know, you got to get down here. And so, uh, I didn't, I wasn't excited about it at first. Um, it was like, I think I was 15 years old and you know, you're in high school, yeah. got to say goodbye to the girlfriend. And yeah. you know, you think those relationships are going to last. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, uh, but then, but lucky, luckily enough, I, you know, I went to Boca and I went to Spanish River High School. And that is actually the first time. And I remember the very first time that I saw my wife, Audrey, and I saw her so in great. the hallways of Spanish River High School. And I was immediately smitten. She was less smitten with me initially. <laughs> I mean, I had to, I had to, I had it's to understandable. Win her. Yeah. I had to, I had to win her over. Um, and uh, it took me a while. But, uh, but no, I'm, of course, very happy that, you know, I went to Spanish River. And uh, but it was it was a complete change for me because yeah. where I was going to school in North Elmstead, uh, people, you know, in high school, I mean, if you asked like how many kids here are going to college, 
it would easily be less than I mean, it might only be 20 percent talking about college. Everybody else was talking about trade schools or going into the family business. Um, And uh, and then all of a sudden I'm in Boca Raton and I was getting asked those questions and I was like, I'm not sure what I'm, you know, what, you know, what, what I'm going to do. And, you know, my parents, uh, of course they, you know, want, wanted me to do well, but it was not a household where it was, Hey, have you thought about what schools you're going to go to? Um, you know, very different in that high school in Boca, what was, what percentage of kids went to college? Oh my God. It was like 98%. I mean, it was, it was like, everybody was doing it. And the fact that I was saying, like, I'm not sure, like shocked people. And yeah. it was like, well, wait, you're, you're kidding. Yeah. And, uh, but that was, that was, that move, I think was like one of the biggest events in my life because it introduced me, um, to a whole different way of thinking in high school. And I met, you know, there's, when you look back at your life, there's pivotal people yeah. that like really affect you. And I had a debate teacher and I just, I had never even knew, it certainly wasn't a class in North Umstead High School, but it was (laughs) at Spanish River. And, uh, and I took this debate class and professor was Bert Podhurst. And the guy was unbelievably smart, but just so, and so charismatic and so fantastic that I really, that was my favorite course, like in all of high school, except for photography, because I got to sit next to Audrey. So that was also, that that was really my favorite course. The benefits. So, but when you say the high school, uh, the experience changed your way of thinking. In, in what way? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, because I really wasn't thinking about higher education, um, and I really hadn't had, you know, I, I hadn't had doors open, you know, or even the vision of doors being open to me. I really thought before that that I was going to go into what my grandfather did, and my father, which you know, which I worked with my you know, both of them from the time I was like 10, 11 years old, I'd be, I'm sure it wasn't OSHA safe, like picking up razor <laughs> blades and you know, like doing, doing all that, that stuff. But like, I, that, that was the family business and, or become an electrician or a plumber and, um, yeah. or, you know, or a cop or, yeah. I mean, that, that was yeah. kind of the, and then, uh, so, but, but it really changed for me when I was in high school and I was like, and the friends that I made there too, it was, uh, I also felt for the first time, like, maybe I should go to college. Maybe I'm good enough to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then the problem was, you know, had no money for college, yeah, which is. Right, right, right. Yeah. Which is why so, I jo- joined the, well, well, the Navy. Well, don't, don't, yeah. Don't give away okay. the, the punchline. Because I was going right, to say. I'm- so then after high school, you went to work in the cruise industry. Am I right? <laughs> That's right. The, the luxury cruise industry, a really large one, um, <laughs> a, large, a large ship, the USS America, CV-66. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, so yeah. you, you joined the Navy right out of high school. I did. And basic training is where? Pensacola? No, that's flight, I guess. No, it was, it was, in, it, it was in Orlando. And oh, it's okay. uh, now now it's closed down. I mean, I think it's all in the Great Lakes region now, where they where they have yeah. boot camp. And that was uh, I was actually just talking to someone this morning about it, and uh, he was like, "Oh yeah, you know, was was boot camp tough?" And I was like, "Well, I think it was tougher for some people." I'm like, the physicality of it, like I didn't prepare myself well enough for all the running and the, yeah. uh, but the you know, there's a lot of. <clears throat> you know, a lot of mind games and mental stuff that I was fine with that. 
but uh, you know, I, I saw a lot of people struggle with it uh, in boot camp. But I didn't think boot camp was horrible. I it was it was more than anything annoying. But I was you know I was doing it for a reason, and yeah. you know, I wanted the, the GI Bill. That's yeah. what I wanted. I it was probably college. a step up from North Olmsted High School. I think. Absolutely, yes, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes, it yes it was. But that's it was. the thing. What? Okay, so you went in doing what? What was your job when you when you got well? Uh, so I went in, and that's one of the reasons I chose the Navy. Well, there's two. My grandfather, who I said was in World War II, um, he was in the Navy. My dad was in Vietnam, um, mm-hmm. and he was in the Air Force, and I was really angry with my father at the time. And I'll be like, there's no way I'm going to the Air Force. <laughs> um, but the the Navy let you pick your job. And I was like, okay, well, I don't want to get shot at. I don't want to get dirty. Um, uh, like, what can I do? And they tried to get me to go into the nuclear program, but you had to commit for longer. And I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. So I became a yeoman, which is a Y N. It's it's essentially an administrative support, um, you know, person. And so what you do is after boot camp, they send you what's called a school. And I went to Meridian, Mississippi, to learn how to be a yeoman, which is I had to learn how to type. I had to learn, you know, uh, the whole whole bunch of stuff, you know. Uh, and then based on your rank in your your A class, you get to pick where you get assigned. And uh, so I was really motivated to do well, and I did very well. And I was the the first person to pick out of fifty we had in our class, and it was the fir- it was the first time that the instructors in years hadn't seen a shore billet, which is what I wanted because I knew I was getting married soon, um, and I didn't want to be away. So I chose the the best thing that was there, and that was to work for a carrier air group one on the USS America. So I worked for the captain of the. There's two captains on a carrier. Captain of the ship, captain of the air wing, and I worked for the captain of the air wing. And it was, uh, you know, ultimately, it was definitely the best choice I could have made um, with what what was given. But it was, uh, and then the Gulf War broke out. And so then I was like, wow, now I'm really gone for a long time. So, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, it was not exactly what I expected, but it yeah. certainly was something that shaped me uh, yeah. tremendously, probably more than I even realized. And, you know, uh, in terms of choosing the Navy, there's that line from A Few Good Men where the guy says to the Marine, have you got something against the Navy? And he said, not at all. Anytime we got a war to fight, you all give us a ride. You boys give us a ride and drop us up. Yes, I've I've heard all the Navy uh, the Navy stuff. And, you know, on, 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 on every carrier, they have a Marine detachment, yeah, too. Yeah. And they're like they're like the police. Yeah. yeah and so, you, you know, they're really friendly to the, mm-hmm. the Navy guys. I mean. Mm-hmm. If you're down and you just want someone to talk to, maybe need a hug, yeah. go to the Marines. I sure. Mean, they, they... <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're, they're known re- for, really. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. the USS America, it was? Yes. And it was a carrier. Yes. It was a carrier, yes. Conventional. Yeah. And so it's a, a non-nuclear carrier. Oh, okay. Okay. And but you got shipped out. Oh yeah. Yeah. For how I long? Mean, it was, uh well, I I did uh, three three larger, longer cruises that were about six months each. But then there were workups for two months. But during the Gulf War, that was, um, yeah, that was almost six months. And my son Saber was born um, on January sixth, and the Gulf War broke out. Like and I can't remember the exact date, but right around, I was on the ship when I learned that he was born, and so I didn't meet him until the end of all of that, um, which. You know, the command was so cool, too. And I worked for the captain. They actually said, hey, you know, and it, it was, uh, you know, I was just an E3, like, at the at that time. 
So it's, uh, you know, Seaman Apprentice McConnell, hey, we need you. You're going to go. You got to get off in Spain and you got to get everything ready for, you know, when the ship comes in. And I was like, awesome, I'm getting off the ship soon. But what I didn't realize is that they had coordinated all this. And so I met Audrey and Sabre for the first time um, uh, in NAS Oceana, like on the the flight line there. They were like waiting. And so, yeah, it was actually really cool. That's so great. But the ship, your port was NAS Oceana. Was that where this came out of? No, no, no. No, it was Norfolk. Uh, but okay. so the air the All air right. wing, when when the ship was in, would go to Naval Air Station Oceana. And then Got whenever it. the ship went out, we would have to move in. And, uh, you know, so, you know, a lot of <laughs> something I didn't realize then is, you know, there can be animosity between ship's company, like the people who are like, oh, you're coming into our house. You guys think that you're so special. With the flight, with the flying and stuff, and um, and my job was I reported directly to the captain of the air wing too. So all, and then there's squadrons, you know, that report, you know, to the, uh, you know, to the captain, and uh, yeah, it was, it it was really an amazing experience. And wow, you talk about the best pilots in the world. I mean, they're the naval aviators that are landing on those. Car- I mean, there's great pilots in the air force, but um, you know, I was lucky enough to meet. Uh, someone who at that time was already a legend and I didn't really realize, but I actually was in Pensacola and I saw at the, cause I went into the, uh, the, the Naval Aviation Museum there and they had a whole segment on commander Dale Snodgrass, which I think he, I think he got to Admiral before he was out, but I met him and he was a commander of an F-14 squadron. And, uh, he was actually the guy that, that top gun was based on, um, uh-huh. loosely, loosely yeah, yeah. based. Yeah. And, uh, and he was just like the nice, like the most, I mean, he was cocky, but he was yes. funny. And like, he was so great to the enlisted guys because look, I was as low as, cause I went in as an E1, was not an officer. Um, and, uh, you know, it really meant a lot to me doing that. The officers who, who treated the enlisted well, and frankly, there were a lot of them, but then there were some like, Hey, why isn't there coffee here? And I'm like, yeah. I don't drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not making coffee. Yeah, for, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah. but and yeah, those, it, those lessons stay with you. You remember? They do. You remember? Oh yes, right. You remember? And by the way, if you're flying an F-14, 16, 18, you want them to be cocky. Yes, that's true. <laughs> no, that's absolutely a requirement. You don't want them to be timid. That's yeah, for that's sure. exactly right, man. And, and and you know, you see the videos online, and it's a postage stamp. You see them, you know, the videos of the planes landing on those carriers, and mm-hmm. uh, uh-uh, man, that's you're hitting a really tiny target. And they, you're right, they're the best pilots in the world, they really are. Yeah. So how? So from the USS uh, America to the PEO industry. So how the hell that happened? So once you got back. How, what was your a four year tour? Or how long were you in the Navy? I got out a little less than four years because okay. they had a program then that if you were going into uh, college, that mm-hmm. you could get out up to 60 days earlier. Okay. And so, and I was really happy that that worked out for me because uh, I would have been underway like during that time and I would have had to like fly back. Um, so it, it, my, my twin, I have a twin sister, um, and my twin sister, uh, upon graduating high school, uh, she kind of floated around for a while, did some jobs in real estate, but then ended up at the university of Florida. And so, uh, you know, I knew she was there and I had visited Gainesville, loved it. I had, you know, some other friends there. 
So for me, I was committed. I was like, I'm going to UF if, if they'll have me. They they actually rejected me first because my 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 high school my high school GPA was not very good, uh, but my but my SAT scores were like near perfect, and the ACT scores. And uh, so actually, Audrey, after I got turned down, she without me knowing uh, called, and there was uh, you could petition to have a panel review it, and she got. This guy, his name was Pat, by the way, Pat Green. He was uh, a Vietnam vet. And so Audrey spoke to him and it's like, hey, you know, I I really think that you guys should consider Sean. And, um, you know, and I also, when you're on the carrier, you can take college classes afloat, which I didn't know initially. And Mm. actually, one of the best professors I ever had, who was an English teacher, John Ketchum, um, was on that. So I had a 4.0 GPA for college credits I was taking while I was I was in. Anyway, luckily I got in on academic probation. Um, wow. and I was like, and then I found it was a complete surprise to me. And so University of Florida had to finish up my undergrad, reunited with my twin sister, which it was so mm-hmm. great. Um, and then, you know, I knew I wanted to go to law school. I yep. was, uh, I was like, okay, I, uh, I didn't want to do what my, the, the, you know, the, the family business. Uh, and I was like, no, I think, you know, I think I could do it. And, got in and my dream was to go to Notre Dame. And it, that was the thing like in my family, the yeah, Irish sure, Catholic sure. family. Right. It's like, oh, right. if you get into Notre Dame, Jesus, you're <laughs> made. You're a made man. Um and 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 I am happy to say that I got into Notre Dame for law school, but I you know, UF was actually the last one to uh I applied to five and UF was the last one and they accepted me. And it was just, I couldn't, the tuition was so much less. And, you know, at that point, you know, I had, I had two kids Mm -hmm. um, and I was living in village housing, which by the way, the University of uh, Florida has like, if you're married or you have a legal dependent, uh, the only one that rivals it um, is University of Michigan. Mm -hmm. The amount of housing, you know, for people with kids or, you know, or even if if there's, there were a lot of like, uh, single parents there with kids. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my kids were lucky enough to grow up into that, in that too, which I think was amazing. Nobody has any real money or anything, but what they do have is massive diversity and, you know, languages. Um, yeah. And so, uh, I didn't want to leave the university of Florida, Pat, not going to lie. When I I ultimately graduated, I was like, "Mm." and, uh, but I knew, I, I knew I wanted to litigate and I knew I wanted to actually be in court. Yeah. Uh, and so I wanted, and I wanted it to matter. So I chose labor and employment defense yeah. and, uh, got a job with a, a great boutique law firm in Tampa. It was called Thompson Sizemore and Gonzalez. Um, it's now been <clears throat> acquired, you know, so consolidation doesn't just happen in the PEO industry. <laughs> um, it, it, it got acquired, but, uh, you know, I did that for about five years. And I loved it, but I will. T- it was it was all consuming, and Audrey really didn't like. And she said to me at one point, she goes, "You know," and she had been talking. She goes, "Sometimes when you're home, you're not really home." And I'm like, "I know, but I got this deposition tomorrow." Yeah, yeah. Um, and so she really strongly encouraged me to look for something else. Yeah. And I, but you know, but I, I want to just pause just to to mark time that like from. You know uh, where you started, you know, and uh, North Olmsted, Ohio, to like only seeing as far as high school graduation. This is mm-hmm. kind of audacious, right? To say like, I want to go to law school. Yes, 
right? That's- yes, it, it was. Uh, listen, it was shocking to. I think, you know, well, they were proud, but like my my grandfather, for instance. I mean, he was alive, you know, you yeah. know, through law. Saw me graduate, yeah. um, and I don't think there was a person more proud than yeah. like my grandfather, who you know didn't finish high school. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he absolutely believed it. But like, yeah, I was I was the first person like in my kind of immediate family to graduate from college. Even yeah. though my sister got there earlier, I la- I lapped her because you know she was on like <laughs> she was on the party program. Yeah, But by the way, because you were older, you were probably more serious about college. Oh, and I had kids, right. and I was like, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. No, I had fun, but like I wasn't yeah. pledging fraternities or yeah, yeah. you know, I, yeah, yeah. my college experience was very different than I think a lot of people. But I w- I wouldn't have had it any other way, and yeah. and I also worked all yeah, through yeah. college. It, like yeah. um, that's a grind. That's a grind. <laughs> Yeah, but it was, it was, it was fabulous. And yeah. so, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. and then, and then getting to litigate, like I had some of the best like mentors um, and saw, you know, like as much as being in the military was like culture shock, you know, for me, like, wow, um, which it was, you know, at times and really kind of transformative uh, or even like being in Spanish River and having this different mentality uh you know, being in a law firm and seeing like how it's really done because, yeah. you know, and, and people who aren't lawyers think like, Oh, law school really prepares you to be a lawyer. Now it doesn't. No. It prepares yeah. you to think yeah. like a lawyer. Yeah. Um, but I'm actually leaving out one like really critical, important thing too, that and it's just crazy how life is while I was in college and in law school, a friend of mine who is uh, a really brilliant friend of mine who he was getting he got a phd in pharmaceutics and in engineering uh he wanted he wanted to start a company and it was called nanosphere and it was about uh coding drug particles and using harmonic sound to, with a cloud and an eczema laser and it's getting way, way more technical than like i understood at the time but it was getting a lot of attention and he was getting a lot of grants and uh he he we would play pool every tuesday and he would talk to me about it and he's like you know can you help me with this and i was like i don't know how much i can help you i said but yeah absolutely i'm like he's like well you're almost a lawyer i'm like no i'm not almost a lawyer <laughs> almost. Uh, I'm, yeah. I, I'm like i'm like but i will help you and you know and i'll get lawyers you know actual lawyers like to do what we need to do anyway long story short like i mean it took a long time i mean the company grew and grew and grew and it changed names and it ultimately became ology and it sold it's about four years ago um for a tremendous amount of money and i had ownership because of you know being there at the beginning and yeah. and i but i stayed connected to it and stayed on the board um so you know and it was yeah. actually they were they were a client of mba for that's so you know, great for, i had know, no for, idea for, yeah I for many no years idea. That's yeah, so they're they're actually been. Uh, my friend has started another company called Alchem, and he's like, "Sean, you need to be on the board." I'm like, "You know what? <laughs> I'm good for right now, but thank you." But uh, but uh, but uh, but it's been super interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, I just want to go back to Spanish River for a second. I hammer into my daughter all the time. I have for 20 years. Uh, she's 30 now. Uh, life is about uh, aspirations and expectations. That's it. It's what you aspire to and what you That's expect right. of yourself, right? And so in Ohio, people didn't aspire mm-hmm. to much, right? And they didn't expect no. much, right? And then you nope. get to that high school and you realize people aspire to great things and they expect great things from themselves. And it does, to your point, it changes your worldview. Right? It's, it's completely. Totally no, I, I, 
I totally, I totally agree with that, Pat. Yep. Because yeah, so, if I would have stayed in Ohio, there's no way I would have no. had, I could have had a happy life, but it would have been very, very different. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Right. And so, uh, okay. So you're in the court, a courtroom, but that's wearing you down. It's grinding you down. So we're getting to closer to the PEO industry. Are we, are we, so then what happens? You leave, you leave the firm or what do you do? You got a well, family. You can't not work. Right. No, exactly. And, um, I, uh, well, first I knew about the PEO industry because my mentor, Bill Sizemore, fabulous lawyer, um, he was highly involved with Advantech. I'm not sure if he ever had ownership, but I okay. did work for Advantech okay. many, like in the early 2000s um, <clears throat> and was like, and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I thought about like my grandfather um, and my father, like, you know, running crews, um, you know, getting, and, and I remember all the, the, the problems that they had and like, whether it was comp problems, payroll, payroll problems constantly, HR problems. And I, I was like, oh my God, they do all this for, and I, I remember asking my mentor, I was like, how much, how much do the companies pay to have Advantech do that? And he was like, well, you know, it varies, but he gave me kind of like the rough estimates. And I'm like, why doesn't everybody, I'm like, oh, this would have saved so many headaches for my grandfather, truly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and my father, like, why, like, and I can guarantee you, they, they were still in business, doing business, but when PEOs were, they just, while the PEOs existed, they just never knew. Um, and so I fell in love with the concept and I was like, this is really amazing, you know, really fantastic. Um, and so when I decided to start looking by, and my mentor passed away. And so I stayed on with the firm for a while. Um, uh, but I knew that I was eventually going to go, uh, <laughs> I, there was an ad in the Florida bar news, um, for a, what was it like an HR manager. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know the company, but I, but I was like, ah, yeah, let me check this out. And as it turned, turns out it was MBA mm-hmm. and, uh, and I interviewed with Midge Seltzer and uh, and and her sister Betsy Murray, and instantly I was like, "Yes, this is absolutely that's probably the best job interview I ever had because um, I knew about I knew about the PEO industry. They, they were shocked that I was like a labor and employment <laughs> attorney that like really really knew of, you know yeah. about the the industry. Yeah, and uh, and for me, I was like, I also loved that MBA was privately held um, and that it was not huge and certainly not huge, you know, at the time that was really attracted to me. I knew they had like 11 other attorneys, um, but I was like this, I could probably do well here. And uh, so that, that's how I got in. And what, yeah, year, made, was that? what year did you join? That, that was, that was 2005. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 2005. And so I started as assistant general counsel, HR manager. And uh, as I said, there were like 11 or so like other attorneys and I was assigned uh, groups of clients. And I, one of the things I love so much and it's, you know, and it's MBA doesn't have like, you know, the license on, on this is that PEOs, it's the relationships that you have with yeah. your clients. Now, some PEOs, the relationships are with like the customer service people. Yeah. Some yeah. are with, you know, the payroll. And, and I think, and all those things matter, but MBA, I think is always really pushed 
strong relationships with the HR managers, which are now called HR consultants. But they're the they're the lawyers. They're the the, yeah, the people yeah. who um, left litigation, and yeah. they're they're there. And one of my favorite things, even when I was litigating, was uh, advising. And like it, you know, there's different roles, and you know, people think, oh, lawyers, they should be sharks, and like that's what they. Well, you know, there's a time and place for that. And yeah, yeah. There's some yeah. lawyers who are never never going to be that. But it's the counselor role yeah. of the lawyer yeah. that I always loved the most. Yeah. And, I, and, you know, and a lot of times clients don't want to pay every six minutes to, you know, like lay every, everything out like that. And so I absolutely love that that aspect of the PEO is that you're really advising. It's more of a yeah. partnership yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and helping them out in, the, in that way. You're a problem solver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you did that AGC for a while. And then when did you become GC? It was, uh, I actually have uh, in this room, I, we used to make metal nameplates mm-hmm. with titles. And uh, when I became CEO, I actually, well, it was that, it was actually before that. It was uh, when I became the chief legal officer. I had them all framed and, and I, so I would have them in my office because I also wanted to show like people at MBA, like guys, I started here. Yep. Yep. And then, um, and, you know, I will say it happened pretty quickly for me. And, mm-hmm. um, I think I was lucky. I had, I, you know, I worked with unbelievably great people mm-hmm. and, uh, they saw that I was how committed I was and I was committed to the clients, but also really believed in the mission of MBA, uh, you know, and I, I do, I do recall at the time starting, that there was kind of a lot of negativity in with mm-hmm. a lot of the attorneys. Like I went to lunch with them and they were like, well, you know, Betsy's never retiring. And so there's really <laughs> nowhere to go. And like, all, and so there was, all, and I, I would never concern myself with that. I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to have the relationships. And I was confident that it would eventually happen, but I will tell you, like it, it all happened way quicker than, than I thought it would. And it happens for different reasons. And I think it happens in all companies and certainly in, you know, in, in PEOs. And, uh, and so I always, I definitely was very excited every time that there was another opportunity. The only one that ever gave me pause when is when the CEO opportunity came out. And I initially was like, "Mm, this, this might not be for me, but why, uh, why that's a big (laughs) move. You went to GC chief legal officer, Mm -hmm. right? And you were chief legal officer when the CEO job opened up. Yes, okay. I was. And, so why but, why know, equivocate? Well, it was it was never something that was uh, an objective of mine, and it was ne- it was never something. I was very happy with the company exactly you know the the, the way that it was, um, and I could have done that you know forever. And also, I, you know, MBA was a very generous company too. About the compensation was very good, um, and I, you know, had ownership and, you know, at, at that stage. And I was like, wow, this is, this is fantastic. In addition to that, um, I knew that area of the business incredibly well. If, if it's about, you know, dealing with the EPLI carriers, any kind of any HR issue um, and all like the government regulation and like, you know, and everything and, you know, and you know, I had a close relation, very close relationship with Fapio and then mm-hmm. Napio as well. I loved all of that. But like mm-hmm. what I did not have is, you know, I didn't I certainly didn't view things like a CPA would. So I didn't mm-hmm. have, you know, the financial literacy that I think is necessary, like to be a CEO. 
Um, and then there was, you know, just operationally, I think I was decent at it, but no, 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 there's people in our industry that are, are mind blowing. So I was very aware of like my, my strengths and my weaknesses. And so it gave me serious pause when the opportunity uh, came out, but you know, I talked to good friends and people in the industry and they were like, no, here's what, you know, it, you absolutely should do it. And uh, by the way, this is how, you know, how you address all those other issues, which I ultimately did. So I'm so happy that I did it, but I think, you know, fear of failure, uh, you know, to be honest, I was like, Oh my God, I've had so much success. And yeah. if I do this and how embarrassing. And I also, the, the other, the other thing too, is that I really loved mentoring uh, the attorneys in the HR department. And, uh, you know, that to me was something really special and DHR is maintaining, you know, that kind of thing with the, the, the lawyers. I, I knew that I could always recruit lawyers that were like-minded to me mm-hmm. that were like, Hey, yes, we, we enjoyed litigation, but we want a little bit more work-life balance yeah. Yeah. and we want to work in a place where it's collaborative um, and, you know, intellectually stimulating. And, and so I knew taking the CEO role was going to distance me from that yeah. Because yeah. I wasn't, I wouldn't have the, the, the same, which I was absolutely correct about that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it was obviously, you know, I'm super happy that I, that yeah, I yeah. did it, but, it, but you know, to me, that falls into the category of sometimes in life, you know, you got to make yourself uncomfortable to grow yeah. and yeah, yeah, you, you, exactly. you can't be, can't be afraid to do yeah. it. And what year did you become C- CEO? Oh, Jesus. That was, I think 2015. Yeah. So 2015 or 2016. Oh, yeah. So like 10 years after joining the company or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Right? So how yes. many worksite employees did you have when you became CEO? Ballpark. I don't. Um, we had, I actually think that we had more worksite employees when I became CEO. Um, however, uh, one of my, I had many objectives when I became CEO. And Who were they? Well, I wanted the company to be very profitable. I wanted the ownership to, you know, to do very well. I wanted uh, to maintain a culture of uh, promote from within, you know, a massive respect to employees uh, and, and really care. And I think you can't fake it. You either care or you don't yep. care. And, uh, and I certainly believe that you know, if somebody resigned and they were going to work somewhere else, uh, you know, and they were good, I, I would wish them the absolute best um, and, and and genuinely mean it. And 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 I would say to myself, if we lost a good employee, like shame on us. Like, what are what are we doing wrong that the you know, that that they wanted to go? But I also wanted I knew at some point there was going to be a, a, a transaction with MBA. Uh, and so I wanted the EBITDA to be correct. Like yeah. and so. In order to do that, it's not just about adding numbers. You know, you can't make up uh, in volume like a bad deal, and it's dra- <laughs> it's draining on the employees. And so, yeah. for me, it was really clear about like what it was that I wanted to do. Um, it took a while to get there, um, and and really, I have to thank like so many people, like. Roxana Rostegi, Abby Kaczynski, who, you know, you, you know, Abby, but yep. before her, it was, you know, Patrice Featherstone. Um, <clears throat> there's, but in, even before that, Chris McDonald, like, so there was, there were so many people that were instrumental, but I was always, you know, as a CEO, um, 
really all any of my positions, I'm very collaborative. And so mm-hmm. I want to hear opinions from everyone. Mm-hmm. I know I don't know everything. Yeah. And um, but I also want to be transparent about, hey, well, you know, here's my concern about that. I don't like it because this is, this. oh, no, Sean, you don't need to worry about it. I'm like, oh, well, now that you told me that, well, I'm absolutely happy to do it. But I really wanted to make sure that we did things correctly. Mm-hmm. And and when I what I mean by that is because I, look, MBA was always a very ethical like PEO, mm-hmm. but I wanted to do things correct correctly business wise, and that weren't just about like in my opinion appearance of numbers and yeah. actually good business that um, that uh, you know didn't stress. I mean, not that I mean employees get stressed about lots of things, but you want to know that um, they're working hard and they're working hard for a reason, and it's solid. Yeah. And, and so that, that was, that was my objective. And I also, you know, I kind of have a love hate re- relationship with brokers. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I really felt we were too dependent on the broker network. Now I know that there's plenty of PEOs that are wildly successful, um, mm-hmm. you know, with, with the, the broker network and MBA certainly did very well with brokers, but I wanted to introduce more direct sales. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we were pretty successful with that. Of, of you know of doing it and of course there, there's huge upside if you can actually get the direct sales because you're not paying you know an outside broker yeah so did you see growth over your time like from 2015 to uh to financially yes yeah 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 yes yeah. and headcount worksite employees or or you you were driven more on uh by, by the number not by the number of worksite employees I was driven by quality over over quantity, but yeah, there was yeah. a, there was there ultimately was an increase in the numbers. Yes. Okay, but yes, that's interesting. But but that you weren't slave to that number; you were more slave to what that number brought. Well, there was there was several deals during the time that I said no to. I was like, "Sorry, that's no, not enough admin. I don't like the I don't like the risk on the con and." Where that was shocking to, you know, I know to people when I took over, they're like, well, that would have never happened. I'm like, well, you know, no, I, I, I absolutely don't want that. And I also knew what like our strengths were, which is interesting because now Decision HR, I see like they have a tremendous amount of California business. Mm-hmm. Before doing the deal with Decision HR, I we had some, but I was certainly not trying to get more California business. Um <laughs> But they actually do it and they do it really well. They committed to it. And so that's something that's like totally in their wheelhouse. Yep. So you said when you were at MBA, when MBA just operated, you know, by itself, you knew what your strengths were. Yes. What were they? Um, certainly anything legal, anything, mm-hmm. and you know, and, you know, anything HR. And I knew that I was collaborative and I think I've, uh, I'm respectful you know, to, you know, to employees, I think I'm reasonably intelligent. So, you know, I can, I will commit to understand, like, if they have a problem, what, you know, what their concern is. I'm always, I was always willing to take time. And I don't care if it was seven o'clock at night or seven o'clock in the morning um, to solve, you know, to solve problems. And I also, I also knew a great strength of mine was client relationships, whether it was on the sales side, which I did, you know, do some, you know, quite well, I wouldn't say quite a bit, but I did spend time on on certain certain prospects. Uh, but it was also maintaining r- good relationships with with clients that we had had for so many years, um, and in taking their calls. So I knew I wouldn't have a problem with any of that. I just worried about the stuff that I'm like, what what's happening behind the curtain? The curtain yeah, I never yeah. looked in, you know, before, and I had to go behind those curtains. But you know, that's not something 
if you don't have the experience in it, you know, it takes a while and you better have people around you that you trust to to tell you exactly what the deal is. And luckily I did. And I didn't, I didn't hesitate to ask for help. And by the way, those people weren't all employees of MBA. They were people, you know, on the outside, like, you know, people like Jennifer Robinson, Yep. you know, that would go, Sean, by the way, this is exactly, you know, kind of how this works. These are the questions that you should ask. Um, but it's, uh, and there's so many great people in the industry. So all all roads lead to JRO. Like at some point or another, everybody goes to her (laughs) for her advice or for her counsel or or her help one, one way or another. So, okay. So tell me about, uh, MBA to decision HR, uh, you know, as Mm -hmm. much as you're (laughs) willing to say, like, because, you know, I talked to folks uh, about you know, the decision to sell. And I know you had, you know, it wasn't just yours alone. You know, you had other, right. other folks involved in the decision. But, like, you know, the decision to do it, finding the right partner. Talk about that, if you would. Sure. I mean, I think it's, I mean, you see so much of it happening in the industry. Uh, and I, I knew eventually, but it, it actually it was a year sooner than, than, I, than I thought it was going to happen. And I was... I was incredibly happy, as was ownership, like of had the direction that where the company was. So it completely shocked me. I was like, "My God, we're we're killing it! Like, why why do why do we?" Um, and uh, but you know, look, when you have partners, you know, they have different uh, different views about what it is that they wanted to do. And so when I realized my partner was serious about it, I said, "Okay, well, if we're going to do it," because uh, he goes, "Hey, I think you know, yeah, I want out." I'm like, "Well, I don't." I was like, "So." Um, you know, and if we're going to do this, we have to find a partner that has certain criteria. And he's like, well, what are you talking about? I was like, well, they're not going to come in and trash and lay off a bunch of employees. I'm like, they've been through the the fire for us. I'm not doing that. And it, it not only is it unfair to the employees, it's unfair to the clients and those relationships matter to me. I'm like, uh, I want a partner that actually is going to make something better. And I also I'm like, look, I really don't want private equity. And the reason why I didn't want private equity is because I'm like, they're gonna they're gonna bring the companies together or however many companies they have, and they're gonna try to flip this thing in three to five years again. And then so it creates a disruption to the employees and the clients again. I'm like, so I don't want that. And my partner just he goes, So you're looking for a unicorn. And I'm like, I guess <laughs> I, I I guess I am. I'm uh, looking for a purple unicorn. Yeah, yes. And uh and so I was delighted when Decision uh, HR with the deal that we did, they were a company that met all the criteria that I had, which is, and look, it, whenever you do deals like this, there's going to be bumps in the road. Like it, anybody who's done it will, you know, will, will tell you. Uh, but I know that I, I chose correctly. My partner chose correctly because, you know, they are, they sincerely lived up to like what they said. And, you know, you, it's not, of course, the contracts matter, but I tell you what, I mean, you really see who, who people are like, you know, you know, when you, when you do these deals um, and they, uh, I think the company is stronger for it. I mean, I think, it, and I hate the term synergies, but when companies like that come together, it's the hope is you take the best of both yeah, you know, yeah. and you, and yeah. you, and you, and you let go of the things that aren't working. And I think we've been pretty, pretty successful with that. But then, but then when you get to the size you know, because I think now we're, I mean, we're one of the largest privately held PEOs in the country. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think we're in the top five. Um, yeah. 
that that also affords you opportunities for master medical plans and all kinds of other things that really weren't there before that you can pass along to clients. So it's pretty exciting. But, you know, it's certainly look, there's no question that when you do something like this, uh, you know, you're no longer the boss. You yeah, know, yeah. I didn't I didn't have to ask anyone, really, uh, if I felt like I wanted you know, to, to do whatever I would be collaborative, but then to be like decision made. And I loved, you know, how quick we were able to kind of do that. Uh, you know, and you know, when you get bigger and you do a transaction like this, obviously that's, that, that changes, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, so how's it going? I mean, you've been, uh, the deal was done a year ago. Yeah. Uh, almost a year and a half ago. Year and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. It was, it was in January. Um, it's, uh, it's going great. I mean, it is, uh, I, I think DHR, I think DHR is going to have a very, very long um, existence in the PEO industry. There's no plan of selling that company and they won't. And, and it's also, you know, it's all privately held. There's no incentive, you know, for, you know really for them that I can foresee uh, doing it, even though I know that there have been, you know, crazy multiples and all that kind of stuff. They're just going to grow and grow and grow. Yep. And uh, so it makes me happy that, you know, uh, we did we did this deal and it's something that, you know, I could look at the clients of MBA and say, hey, guys, th- you know, we're actually going to be bringing you more things. And so the yeah. things that you're comfortable with that you like, those yeah. are going to stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. That is great. And so with all of this and again, you've been in the industry now uh, almost, I uh, guess, almost 20 years or so. Um, what's your outlook for the industry? I always ask everybody that question. What, what's, you know, I mean, I, I always say like, I, I'm bullish, but uh, yeah. I'm paid to be bullish, but I'm bullish based on data. I'm not bullish based on hope. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, you're there, you're at the point of sale every day, you know, certainly an MBA and now with mm-hmm. this deal. So you're on the front lines all the time. What's, what's your outlook? I think, look, I and absolutely why? think, I will tell you, I mean, I think the outlook and yeah, I don't think you've you talked to anyone, or if you have, who said the outlook is negative. I, I would be more interested. Like, well, t- tell me why it's negative. Look, there's going to be cha- there's always been challenges yeah. in the PEO industry from the inception. Um, so there's going to be challenges with government regulation. Government mm-hmm. regulation, it's never stopping. No. Uh, however, but to me, no. I look at it. Oh, there's more regulation. Well, okay, so we got to get on top of that. But that's security, you know, with with our clients. So to me. That's not negative in the you know in in the outlook. Yes, there's going to be more regulation. If anything, to me, that's more positive because it, it shows the importance of PEOs. And my goodness, during COVID and everything that we did, there was never a time that I felt like it was reinforced to clients how important the PEO relationship is with PPP employee retention. Like I mean, there that's just you know, the tip, but everything changing statewide and federal. Um, my goodness, NAPIO. And like, and I'll tell you this too, when I first got in, Napio could not have done that then. Mm. There's no way. They did not have the staff. They did not have the leadership. Um, Nap- Napio and Pat, don't get a big head, but like under your, <laughs> well, thanks, under, no. under, <laughs> under your leadership, I mean, is formidable. Yeah. Um, so look. I have I, a little I, help. Uh, I know. I, yeah, I it's, 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 it's true. But look, there's also going to be more consolidation uh, in the industry. And I actually, I think I think that's a good and bad thing. Also, um, I you know I think it's good when you have companies like DHR and MBA coming together, uh, being able to provide more you know to yeah. clients and you know kind of taking taking the best. 
But I also think it provides opportunities for smaller boutique PEOs that specialize in a particular kind of area um, to feel good, like going with a, with, yeah, with a yeah. small with this with, yeah. you know with a smaller PEO. But yeah. but I but I'm I'm super I'm super positive about it, and I will also say it's the people in the in the industry that yeah. are are able to like pivot and change and be creative. We have such I mean we have brilliant people in this industry. Yep, yep, yep. No, I agree. I agree. So the flip side of the question is, what are the headwinds? What do we have to watch out for? Well, technology is the thing that like that yeah. that that kind of really concerns yep. me. And you know, MBA when when I got in, you know, we used Summit, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, listen, we made Summit do all kinds of special, amazing things, and it did not cost very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> I, I, you know, I I worry about the demands from clients about technology and whether, whether we're able to meet that. And then I also worry about the technology that many PEOs use and it's a large proportion of the PEOs using it and being dependent on that. I, that's not my favorite, you know, uh, kind of thing when you have too many eggs kind of in, you know, kind of in, in, in one basket. So the, I think the PEOs that obviously depends on the clients that you have, but P, I, ignore technology at your peril is what yeah. is is what I would say. But I but I'm, I'm not worried about like you know uh, artificial intelligence like taking over uh, because I, I I don't there's a huge difference you know between like the HR the quality of HR that people get um, at MBA DHR when they call and they're talking to an HR, somebody who actually knows their business and can ask the right questions. And mm-hmm. a lot of times the clients, when, when they're asking for HR advice, they don't even know the right question to ask. They're asking the wrong question. You got to ask yeah. five other yeah. questions and they go, Oh wait, now I understand. Well, hold on. You don't need to worry about that. You need yeah. to, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. So, so I'm not worried about, uh, us being obsolete, you know, Yeah, yeah. probably ever. I mean, yeah. I, I just yeah. can't see it. Yeah, I agree. It just we it, somebody it said years ago we keep reinventing ourselves this industry, and I think that's true. I'm just sort of like lots of different ways of iterations, you know. Um, so two final questions. First, what's your advice to somebody new to this industry? Well, kind of like what I was was saying before about you, if you it, it depends who I'm talking to and like how they're in it, like what. But if it's somebody starting up a PEO and like going to be a CEO. I'm going to, I'm going to say, well, I mean, what do you know? You better be honest about your strengths and weaknesses um, and get the right people that you can trust, you know, to, yeah. to cover the, the, those thing, things that you don't know. Uh, also, I would say, hey, by the way, <laughs> have more than one more comp carrier because um, there, you know, there have been issues in, you know, in the, in the comp arena and I've, I've watched it, you know, hurt PEUs deeply. And so have, have other relationships. And then I would, I would also, you got to stay on top of what's happening in the industry. So if you're not a member of Napio, that's a huge mistake because you're not, you're, you're not staying current. So stay current on, you know, the issues of the industry, but also stay on top of the issues in the industries that your clients are in. Know exactly kind of, or as much as you can about the, the struggles that they face because then you can better cater what it is that, and I tell you what, it means a lot when you talk to a client and you go, Hey, I heard blah, 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 blah. How are you doing with that? That matters. And like, yeah. not enough people do it. Um, and again, I think it's something you don't fake. And so then I would, I would also say, make sure you have more money than you think you need because, <laughs> uh, yeah. it's, it, it, you know, it's going to be, but also don't be cheap. Don't be pay, 
pay the the vendors that you that you use well. You know, choose wisely. Pay your employees well. And uh, and if you're in Napio, this is an industry where you can pick up the phone because we don't have such market saturation yet. um, That like. I think yeah. that's one of it that people are generous with with their knowledge yeah. about and they you know and if you ask a question they're going to give you you know the best advice they can. Yeah yeah yeah. And it's funny uh, you're mentioning you know being able to provide um, your clients with information. Uh, one of the goals of the CEO forum I know you came uh, at Stanford love uh, it. Uh, yes. Right? Is that's it. Like I want you to be someplace in St. Peter or someplace in Bradenton visiting with a client saying well, you know, I was at Stanford last week. A professor had a really interesting insight into this or that or leadership or strategy or something. It's just that's it. They look to you to be the provider of that's right. Of all things. And by, right? Yeah. And that in that program, um, I remember going the, the first year that I went and I was absolutely blown away. I was like, oh, this this little college Stanford actually turns out some decent professor. <laughs> who knew? <laughs> I don't know. Who knew that they actually, um, no, but it was actually, it was incredibly intellectually stimulating. I, I absolutely loved it, which leads me actually to one more headwind um, yeah. that I think is actually a big one. And it's the changes with the Napio staff. I think yeah. your, your, uh, Melissa's departure, your departure, Pat, I mean, it's, a, it, it, it is, you know, um, I'm not kissing your butt here. I, I, I'm concerned about how that I, now I believe we're, we will ultimately be in good hands, but I'm so content and happy with what it is right now that that's, that is a concern I have about, about the future because change is guaranteed more government regulation. We're going to have to be responsive and be able to pivot. So we need to have the right people in. Yeah. And, you know, I've said to everybody, first of all, the team here is is strong and and has been. and It's an unbelievable team, first of all. The other thing I've said to folks is that the new person has to fit in with this culture, not vice versa. That's right. right. Because they they won't last because there's a very distinct culture here (laughs) and you're going to have to fit in with it. And if you fit in with it, your life's going to go well. And I think they will. And and it'll be okay. And again, a lot of smart people here. And uh, I like I tell everybody, I'm just the arm candy. So, okay, so my last question, yes. I'm going inter- to interject, so I'll give you time to think about it. My last question is going to be, what's something people don't know about you? But while you're thinking of your answer, uh, you mentioned your grandfather. I was very close to my grandfather. He's my best buddy in my little town, which is a lot, sounds like a, a lot like your town in Ohio, uh, not not like Boca. Um, and he was my pal. And uh, he passed away when he was 95 years old. And then I got sworn in as a member of the National Mediation Board, you know, a presidential appointment. Wow. Yeah. And my mom and dad came down for the ceremony. And I remember uh, after I took the oath and it was a you know, big deal here in Washington, my mom, it was her dad. My mom came over to me and she said, your grandfather would have been so proud of you. And I said, the difference is he was proud of me before I ever left town. <laughs> yes. Right. I love that. Pat. And that's yeah, your grandfather. No, that's that's, that's your grandfather. Right? There, he was proud of you anyway. It, it, you yeah. know, he saw you graduate from law school, but he was already proud. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. Uh, no, he's, he's absolutely. Right. Um, I know. And I knew that and it was massive support. And yeah. it, this will actually lead me into something that I think would surprise people is that uh, during COVID I started um, I mean, I've, I've golfed, um, since I was in high school, mm-hmm. um, and my grandfather is the one who got me in it. He'd let I me, mean, he was a hard worker, but he would take off on Wednesdays after afternoon. Cause it was the men's game at the club. Um, and, uh, and he, he really, 
introduced me to it and it's something I love so much. So I started playing during COVID because there was, you know, obviously lockdown, not much you could do. And I would go to this executive course really close to my house, just nine hole, you know, par three. And uh, one day I got, I ran into another group and it was an older guy named Augie and, uh, and his daughter and, you know, another guy and uh, became friends with them. Augie is now 90. I golf with him every week. He's 98 years old. He just, and he's out there. He can't, you know, he, he, every time he tees off, he's like, ah, I used to be able to hit this 250 yard. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, but he can hit it like 150 yards. I'm like, Augie, you show me another 98 year old who can hit it 150 yards. I, I want to see that person. Uh, and he got a hole in one last year. I mean, Seriously? a hole in one at 97. Yeah. Hole in Unbelievable. one. Unbelievable. Yeah. So that's, that's actually one of my favorite times right. every week, every Friday yeah. morning. Yep. That's I'm, I'm on the golf course with Augie. So, so what else, what else, what's something we don't know about Sean McConnell? Um, uh, other, other than you married well, we all know that. Yeah. Oh my God. I know <laughs> if I'd never show up without Audrey. Um, I think, you know, I think that, uh, I think I'm pretty open and, you know, another thing that people wouldn't know about me is that like, uh, uh, like I still play Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I, and that, <laughs> That is, that is something that, uh, you know, I, and and I play with, and I, people won't believe this, but I play with some of the most brilliant people I've ever known in my life. I mean, they're all wildly successful. Um, and, and we get together on zoom, like Mm -hmm. at least every other week and, and play for, and play for, and so, and we have people all across the country and then we'll have guests come in and it is, it's just an absolute blast. And, you know, and some of these people I played with as a kid. And it's wow. just funny to me, like, you know, when you're a kid playing D&D, it's not all that cool. I don't know that it's cool. I don't know that it's cool now, but I will say all those people I played D&D with, they ended up doing pretty, pretty darn well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great equalizer. It's great. Right. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, thank you, pal. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Sean McConnell, president of Decision HR, uh, former everything at MBA, AGC, GC, CEO of MBA. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate the time today. And uh, you're a longtime board member here. You were always uh, such a great board member. You always came prepared. Uh, you're smart. You were engaged. Uh, you didn't sleep through meetings. Like we didn't watch <laughs> um, And, you know, always just such a great supporter of, of Napio. And I, I really am grateful, pal. You, you made us so much better. And I really am grateful. And I really do appreciate it. So uh, thanks for the time today. This is terrific. We learned a few things along the way. And uh, can you still do wallpaper or not? Oh, yeah, I, absolutely. Okay. In fact, my wife is like, hey, why don't we? And I'm like, yeah, that's a textured wall. We're not that's way, way too much. I'm like, pick a different paint. Like, we're not, we're not doing wallpaper there. That's terrific. All right, pal. Thanks so much for the time today, everybody. Uh, Sean McConnell. Great job. Thanks. Pat. Thank you, Pat. All right. Take care. Bye.